Father, we just say Hosanna to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We worship and we exalt your name. We say be lifted up, O Lord. You said if you be lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. It is our desire this morning, O God, on this Palm Sunday morning, just to lift up the name of Jesus. of your people in the mighty name of Jesus we bless you we honor you we glorify your name thank you thank you thank you you are worthy of all praise hallelujah John chapter 12 verse 12 says and on the next day much people were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and they cried Hosanna blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord and Jesus when he had found the young ass he sat thereon as it is written fear not daughter of Zion behold the king comes sitting on the ass's coat and these things understood his disciples at first but when Jesus was glorified they remembered the thing the things that were written of him that they had done these things unto him amen the Bible says when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem the people went to meet him amen there's something about when Jesus shows up people show up yeah, yeah. Amen. amen when when Jesus shows up the people had a desire to see him and the Bible says they took palm branches and they went to meet him and they cried Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord amen that means blessed is the king of Israel. I want you to, to understand today that he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Amen. That he is the king of yes, kings. Yes, he is the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He is the soon coming yes, king. Yes, Amen. And, and the Bible says that, that when he comes, the trumpet of the Lord will sound. Yeah. Amen. And that we all will know that he is coming. And this time, it is not just the coming into Jerusalem, but it's his coming for his people. Amen. And so today I want to just encourage you on this Palm Sunday morning as we celebrate Jesus Christ, as we start the entrance of what would commonly be known even in, in, in biblical times as the Passover week. It was, it was the week, uh, often we would refer to it as the, the Passion Week. But the, the, it is a week before uh, before Jesus would eventually find himself on the cross. And it starts a whole chain of events that leads Jesus to going to the cross. But going to the cross is a sad thing, but it was an important thing. Jesus says it like this to his disciples, suffer it to be so. Amen. 
And the, the reason is that because he understood there was a blessing in that that will span the, the pain and the experiences that he would go through. So today, we come to say Hosanna. Amen. Amen. And I want to encourage you that are in the house today, you've come to say Hosanna. Yes. And you know, the best way we say Hosanna is by worshiping and praising and giving God. That's what it is. Hosanna is, they, they, they sang it as a, as a song to him as they waved their palm branches. Now, you, there's a few palm leaves here, but you've got your hands. Amen. I'm not saying as branches. Amen. But... But, amen, we wave our hands. We lift our hands to the Lord. And I pray today, may there be a, this a spirit of worship. May there be a spirit of praise and celebration in the house. As we say, Hosanna to the King of Kings. Father, today we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done in our lives. Yes, Lord. We are forever grateful yes, that you have placed your hand upon us. Yes, and yes, so, Lord, as the, the people came in expectation, oh God, to see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, Father, they were looking for a, a, a political leader. But today we, are, we, we understand that Jesus is our Messiah. Yes, Lord. He is the Christ. Yes, he Father. is the anointed yes, one. Lord. And Father, today we come to say Hosanna to the one that, that comes so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. We come to say uh, Hosanna to the anointed one, the one that has came to change our relationship and give us direct access to the very throne room of the Father. So today I pray this move this minister into the lives of your people today let there just be a spirit of praise and of worship in the house in jesus name amen and amen amen won't you just greet somebody tell him it is good to see them here today amen god bless you god bless you, bless you, bless you. hallelujah come on we're going to bless the name of jesus this morning come on with our hands and our feet now we give you glory God all glory to you Jesus oh come on we bless you Lord we bless
Come on, come on right now. No matter what we go through, we must know right now that we got Jesus with us. Amen. Oh, we're going to rejoice in you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance and praise it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes my way. The greater one is inside of me. And his name is. His name is Jesus. We Holy Ghost, I'm gonna die. 
doesn't matter right now It doesn't matter what comes my way The greater one lives inside And you right now, his name is His name is You you shall ever prosper come on right now let's make that declaration right now because the greater one lives inside of me in you and all of us come on right now amen his name is Jesus demons flee at the sound of the name of Jesus sickness dies oh right now come on no weapon oh The greater one lives inside of me and you. His name is Jesus. You're born this morning. I'm born and you're more. more you're here right now. And you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's rejoice. I rejoice. In you, Lord. In you, Lord. 
there's something rattling right now. Ah, hallelujah. We give you glory right now, Father God. Oh, all over this place.
my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants. Just ask the man, just ask the man that was thrown on the bones of Elijah. If there's anything that he can, just ask the stone, stone that was rolled at the tomb. Yeah, what happened? right now you're doing it now 
for your church, oh God, for your sons and your daughters, oh God. upon this rock
it is upon the rock Christ Jesus that we build our lives that you are building your church Lord you are not just building physical buildings but you are building people they are your church Lord and so today we thank you you are the rock you're our strength father today when when, when Peter made that declaration the response of Jesus to him was flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven. Yes, Lord. When he makes the declaration, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The response of Jesus is, upon this rock I will build my church. Upon that confession, Upon that declaration that Jesus is the Christ. Yes, Lord. He is the anointed one. And so today we come before you, O Lord. The old song sings, says that on all other grounds are sinking sand. But on Jesus Christ, the solid rock, I stand. So today, Lord, let our faith be built in you let our faith be established in you this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen and amen 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 
You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I just want to take a few moments today. We're going to partake of the table of the Lord this morning, but I want to take just a few moments to disencourage you from the word of the Lord. There's a truth that I want us to understand. The, the reading is taken in John 3, and this is a, a, a familiar portion of Scripture. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So he recognizes there is something special that Jesus brings. But then he comes in and he, and, and he says, and Jesus answered him and says, Verily I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again. Nicodemus asked the question and he says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's home and be born? And Jesus answered and says, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Two statements. Except a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Then the second response is, unless a man be born of water and the spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Cannot see, born again. Cannot enter, being born of the water and the spirit. This is a very important thing. We, we, we teach it in church and, and many years ago I've, I've shared with you I, I, as a church we believe, we don't believe in infant baptism because we believe that when you get baptized you should be able to accept Jesus as your savior. That's why the Bible says train your children when they are young. So when they grow old, they will not depart. That means there comes a stage when your child themselves should be able to acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. Right? So that means that's the training. But when a child is born, the child has a, the Spirit of God living inside of them. There's an innocence. That's why Jesus goes and he makes the statement. He says, suffer the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So there is, there, there is children have a direct access to God, right? So we understand that children are covered by their parents and the spirit of the Lord lives in them. But the Bible says why this is so important because he comes in and Jesus says to, to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God till you are born again. Now I want you to understand it's a language we've used in church for years. They say you have to be born again. Now what does it mean to be born again? 
That means you were born first. There's an assumption that you were born before. So now I say to you, be born again. The Bible says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. So that means, it means when the child comes, is born into the world, the, the child already possesses the Spirit of God in them. But there comes a stage where the child has to now come to the age of understanding and now has to make that acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Savior on their own. And it's not that the Spirit of God continuously lives in them, but when you come to the age of understanding, you either make a decision whether you are saved and you're part of the body of Christ or you are not. So salvation is not an assumed thing. You are not born into it. Right? There comes an age where you understand. Now the age of understanding varies, but basically if you even use the law or the legal system of the country, by the age of 12, the law defines a child as being able to give consent. And by inference of that, the law says the child is able to distinguish between right and wrong. So when the child comes into your early ad adolescence or the teenage years, they come into the age of understanding and the child is able to distinguish between right and wrong. And in that moment, there is an understanding that the Bible says you have to be born again. We teach it with our Sunday school children, the importance of salvation and accepting Jesus as their personal savior. But there comes a stage where they have to be able to confess it for themselves. That means that when your child comes to the age of understanding, that your spiritual responsibility for them as a parent shifts from, from you to them. And that means your child becomes accountable for their own relationship with God. And they don't enjoy the covering of babyhood. They now have to stand on their own feet and confess Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this of, to Nicodemus, it's not that you just confess it. He says you have to be born of water and the Spirit. So born again experience is not just based on your confession. Born again your experience must be followed up by water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. I say this to us because I think we have an under, we got a, a thinking in our minds that it's a choice. It's not a choice. It's an instruction. The Bible says, if you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a serious matter. And we have made it a frivolous choice. 
understand something if your child is at the age of understanding and they haven't had a born-again experience with God they have now opened themselves up to the enemy attacking them and I've seen it over the years that I've been pastoring families that have thought that it is okay our children are born into a Christian family we pray and we do this but they say you know let the child make up their mind when they want to make up their mind and eventually they go through their teenage years and their early adulthood unsaved and later on when they start acting foolishly you wonder why because the Bible says when the spirit when an evil spirit leaves a person it roams about and after a while it returns looking for a body that it can begin to take hold of and if we don't fill it with the spirit of the Lord other spirits will begin to infiltrate and so many of us lose our children in their teenage years and the early adulthood and they come back to church only to get married if they make it or sometimes we have to bury them without them having an encounter with God and I refuse to do that I'm saying to you I refuse to do that if your child is at the age of understanding I am absorbing myself and the church I'm telling you the truth you have to engage with the truth and make a decision I'd never understood it our parents never understood it when we were younger but my father had a a teaching in in our home and it was generally in the church that I grew up in when you get to the age of 12 you get baptized now they didn't understand it in the word like how we understand it today but they knew you had to have your own encounter with God the Bible says in all of our getting get wisdom in all of our getting get understanding you want to learn the secret of protecting your family get them under the blood of Jesus get them in a place where they have a relationship with God and they know who their God is not about God know who their God is for themselves they have their own born-again experience all of us should have a record of two dates when you were born two basically birthdays that you celebrate your first natural birthday your born day and the second thing is the one when you were born again you should know that the day you gave your life to the Lord and we all have to do it amen so I'm saying to you today that's why the Bible says many of you in in partaking of the table of the Lord he says many of you sleep that means there are things in our lives that we are blocked off from because we haven't come to the place of accepting the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is I want to encourage you today every family should have a sobering conversation 
this afternoon. Am, are my children covered? Understand if they are adolescent and they are teenagers, have they accepted Jesus as their personal Savior? And if not, pray that they get to the place where they accept Jesus as their personal Savior. But secondly, have they given their hearts to the Lord? Are they baptized? Baptism, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit is important for every child of God, every person that is in church. Now some of you say, but pastor, I'm still struggling in my life. I'm still struggling with areas in my life that is not perfect right now, and I'm still struggling. The Bible says, and the things of the world get strangely dim in the light of his glory and his presence. When you make a decision for salvation, the other things start to move away from your life. Don't wait till you're perfect because you'll never get there. We're all striving for perfection. But you've got to make a stand somewhere. Amen? So I'm asking you, make a stand today. That's why the Bible says when we, when, we eat, when we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup, he says we do it unworthily. Unworthily means we know what it requires of us. To be. Don't take salvation as an assumed thing. Salvation is not an assumed thing or a perceived idea. It must be a reality in your life. And we partake of the table of the Lord unworthily because the Bible says, and therefore we bring damnation to ourselves. When we ourselves know what the truth is and we don't follow it. That's when it says you partake of it unworthily. So this is my encouragement to you. So that's why one, we don't have a challenge with children partaking of communion because we know they are covered. But when they come to an age of understanding, even in the Catholic Church, they, they come to age, when you come to the age of 12, you have to be, a, attend what they call confirmation classes. And they say if you don't attend the confirmation class, you won't be able to partake of communion. Because there's an understanding that there is a spiritual responsibility shifts from your parent to you. And you have to understand that. It's good you bring your children to church but it's better if you get them to be born again. So this morning, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you are in this place and you haven't really accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, we want to give you the opportunity today to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. It takes three things. Firstly, you have to accept him as your savior. Secondly, you have to believe that he is God. Thirdly, you've got to confess your sins and know that you are forgiven by him. 
if it is you that is in this place and you've been in church for a long time but you have not publicly made a confession of your faith I give you an opportunity this morning to accept Jesus as your Savior some of you may have been in church for a long time Nicodemus is a Pharisee he knew the truth he knew the law but he never knew what it meant to be born again if it is you won't you stand where you are I'm not going to ask you to come to the front but you can stand where you are bless your name we honor you Lord we worship you we worship you this is a serious matter allow the Lord to just minister to you Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over your sons and your daughters. I thank you today that not only do we know about you, but we would understand like Paul that we will know you in the power of your resurrection, in the fellowship of your sufferings. So even this morning as we come to the table of the Lord, we ask that you, God, will begin to bless us. You begin to minister to us. We pray, O oh God, that we understand it's a table of forgiveness. It's a table of restoration. It's a table of healing. And so today I pray in Jesus' name that you, O oh God, will begin to minister into the lives of your sons and daughters as we partake of the table today. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. I'm going to ask those that are going to help us to administer the table of the Lord to come to the front, amen. Amen. Now, this is an important part. Lorian, this help any. This is an important part. All of us in the house said we, we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. The second question is, are you baptized? Have you received the Spirit of the Lord in your life? Because if you have received salvation, the second step should be baptism. Amen? And we've got classes going on this week. I want to invite you. Make yourself available Tuesday evening at 7. We're going we're gonna to go through that. You shouldn't be as if you're over 12 and above and you're in the church and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Nothing should stop you from getting baptized. And parents don't have the thinking in case you're going to do wrong things. I'd rather protect them before they do wrong things so they don't do the wrong things. You know what I'm saying? They say, hey, naughty, naughty. You know, they say, you're asking for naughtiness to come. 
protect them before naughtiness has a root. Hallelujah. And if you're an adult and you're in the church and you've accepted Jesus but you're struggling in some areas, get baptized. There are areas in your life that will start to change because you've allowed and you made that step for allowing God to begin to minister to you. Come, let's just sit, partake of the table together. Amen. Bye. 
we thank you that this morning even as we partake of these emblems Lord we are reminded of your body that was broken your blood that was shed for our forgiveness of sins today we stand justified through the finished work of Jesus we stand redeemed because of the work of Jesus on the cross we have direct access to the throne room of the Father. So I pray over your sons and daughters. They would not live in condemnation. They would not live in unforgiveness. They would not live in brokenness. But Lord, you would heal them completely. They would live, O oh God, in the abundant life. That Zoe life of God. Father, I pray today that you would give them victory in every area of their lives that they are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. And we declare today that it is your power that is at work in their lives. Power to overcome. Power to be transformed and changed. Power to be renewed. Power to be set on fire and to be, O oh God, an ambassador for you. Bless your sons and daughters, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake of the emblems. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may, you, you may pass your cups down to the left-hand side of the row. Amen. Amen. Uh, Cohen, you can just arrange that. There's a dish in the back there and then you can collect them. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you. Our Sunday school may leave. Amen. And thanks to the worship team. Amen. 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 Well, we're blessed today. Pastor Maggie is going to be sharing the word with us today. Amen. And so we're going to just receive the word with gladness. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It's a beautiful morning. And it's our time of just preparation before him, before the Lord, just giving God glory and thanks for all that he has done. And uh, I just wanted us to just bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we come before you and we thank you just for our time, O oh God, in worship and praise before you. We thank you, O oh God, that we could, O oh God, just come and sit at your feet and enjoy your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the many challenges, O oh God, that are placed before us. And we pray, O oh God, that right decisions will be made, O oh Father. As we sit around your word today, Father, and even as I minister, let it be said, O oh God, as it was of Samuel, that no words that he spoke fell to the ground. And so I pray, let this word, O oh God, find an abiding place in the hearts of your people. Let their hearts be changed and challenged this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
So we are celebrating Palm Sunday, right? If you didn't know it, then something must be wrong. Your eyesight must be bad because look at the lovely decoration that we have here, the setup that we have. It reminds us of that it is Palm Sunday this morning. Now, I, you know, uh, when I was preparing this sermon for the week, um, I was very challenged by what God wanted to say. Um, you know, pastor always says that when you preach a word, it works itself out in you first. And, you know, we, we're approaching a week in our Christian life where we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And as much as it is a victorious, triumphant, sometimes sad event, but it has, it, it should in the heart and the life of every believer cause some kind of a stirring and change in us. Because we can't live from Easter to Easter, Good Friday to Good Friday, and not see any change happening in us. There must be something that causes that change. And so today, when, we, when I, I speak, and my, my, my uh, verse and scripture is taken from John chapter 12, which Pastor read in the invocation. I'm going to read it just now again. But for me, the, the thing that God wanted us to know today is that there is a difference between practicing a religion and having a relationship with Christ. Because religion can move us to a place of celebrating Easter and Good Friday. We can know all of the scripture and we can know of the events. But if we don't know him, it makes no difference. And so today, I want to challenge you. We've been blessed with word for, for from, from, I don't know for how long we've been blessed, we've been touched, we've been encouraged. But today, God wants you to be challenged. That our, we need to understand that there is a difference between us just having a religion and having a relationship. And why was this so important on the heart of God? Because when we look at the Gospels, all of the four Gospels have recordings of this Passion Week. And if we look at the Gospel of Matthew, two-fifths of this Gospel is devoted to this week. Three-fifths of the Gospel of Mark is devoted to this week. One-third of the Gospel of Luke is devoted to this week. And in John, it's almost half of the Gospel of John that is devoted to this week. And what it said to me is that this is so important on the heart of God, more than the miracles, more than the birth of Jesus, more than the sermons that Jesus preached, more than the parables that he spoke, is of what he came to accomplish on the earth and what it means for you and I. Because it was, it was on the heart of, of Jesus from the day that he was born that he knew there was going to come a day where he was going to go to the cross. And no matter how he grew up as a little boy when he was 12 and he was in the temple and he was, uh, uh, what you call, uh, working with his father and, he, and from the age of 30 when he was ministering, it was always on his heart that God sent me as a redemption plan so that his sons and, be, and his daughters can be drawn back to him, so that salvation can come to them. So this is no small feat 
that we as the children of God, we just don't take it lightly. And when God repeats something, we know that it is important. Let's read from John chapter 12. Verse 12 says, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things they were written about him, and they had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard what he had done, uh, that he had done the sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. When I looked at this passage of scripture, and I read from the New King James Version, which uh, should be important to our Bible students this morning, because we need to know which version to read. But in this scripture, we find that the people find Jesus more appealing than the religion. Why do I say this? There was this group of religious people in Jerusalem for the religious feast. They were there for the Passover. Now, there were three feasts that every Jewish person had to attend. The Passover, the Pentecost, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. But right now, at this very present time on Palm Sunday, they were celebrating the Passover. And the Passover was a remembrance to them of how God had delivered them from Egypt. And for them, it was a repetitive process, which means that every year, they traveled the same route to get there. They went through the same rituals. They had to go get a lamb without spot and blemish. They had to come, they had to go pray the same prescribed prayers. But the Bible says, when they heard that Jesus was coming, when they heard that Jesus was coming, they took branches of palm trees and went to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. They were clamoring for something more than what was religion. Because they could have went about at that specific time doing the same thing that they did every year. But somehow there was something inside of them that wanted more. And so when they heard that Jesus was coming, and he was coming as fulfilled by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 9.9, which he speaks about here, when it says, Hosanna, uh, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Those people knew the word because they used to be in the temple and the word used to be read to them. They knew that there was a Messiah and a king that was coming. And so when they heard that it was Jesus, they went out to meet them because they wanted something different. They wanted something. They gravitated to him. 
And the word that they cried out was, Hosanna. Now, when we look at this word, Hosanna, I know today we sang it. Pastor also said it's a praise. But when I looked at the original Hebrew, it means save us. Deliver us now. That was on the cry of the, on the hearts of the people because they knew there was something more for them than just this life of going every year for the different feast, performing different rituals. They wanted Jesus. And when we look at what was going on with this exact procession, when I read over my church history notes concerning Palm Sunday, there was another procession that was taking place. And this procession was Pontius Pilate that was coming into Jerusalem because he knew that there was going to be some kind of trouble. They expected that with Jesus coming there, there was going to be some kind of trouble. They, they were looking at him as some kind of a political leader. They were looking at him as some kind of a rebel. And so apart from this procession that was coming into Jerusalem with, Je with Jesus on the, on, the, on, on the donkey with the people putting palm leaves before him and crying out, save us, Lord. Pontius Pilate was coming on a horse. And his coming on a horse says that there is war. Because when a king rides on a horse, it depicts war. Jesus did not come on a horse. He came riding on a donkey. Because when a king came into the city on a donkey, it said that there is peace. The war has been won. And so I'm coming back in victory. So on the one hand, we have Pontius Pilate who's saying there's going to be a fight. On the other hand, there's Jesus who says it's done. Because no matter what people can do, no matter what they can say, what God has prepared for me and how he's going to save the people, no one can change it. Because that is the word that God has promised. And every word that God has promised comes to pass. And so we find the difference between Jesus and this religion that the people have. Religion emphasizes the outward. Like we saw, it tells you what rituals to do. Even in our day, we can make it a religion because we can faithfully come to church. We can faithfully read our Bible. We can take certain days, time, 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 day, day, day. This is what we are doing. And we can make it religion without relationship because we can know about God, but he wants us to know him. And that's a challenge that we have as children of God in this day. Because when we know him, it does not matter whatever is happening around us. We know we have the victory. We know that he's already given us the victory over that situation. We will not stumble, nor will we fall. Jesus emphasizes the inward. He always says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's not about the outward appearance. Jesus always considered and looked at the inside, the, the spirit of God that was inside of the man. And when he spoke, he spoke to that which was inside of us. And it caused a stirring. And so today, I pray 
Let there be a stirring in your heart and in your spirit. When you're looking towards this week, let it not be like any other time. But say, Lord, whatever it is, I, I want, oh God, to know that you saved me for a purpose, that I am living for a purpose, that God, I know that you are going to use me in this purpose, that I'm just not living a life where I, it's just all about religion. Religion tells you about what you can't do. But Jesus tells you about what you can do. You see, with religious people, we can say, well, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't go to clubs. But what can you do? Reli Jesus says, come. I will show you what I can do through you. And he will show us what, what, what God can do through us. It's not about the don't do things. It's about what we can do. Religion puts up barriers. Jesus pulls down the barriers. If we were at that point in time at the temple in Jerusalem, we as the Gentiles, we will not be able to even go past the outer court because there was a barrier, a certain point where you, you could only go beyond. Maybe the women could go a little bit further. Maybe the men could go a little bit further. The priests could go in a little deeper. Because religion puts up barriers. But when Jesus speaks, he says, come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come. That's what he said. Even when pastor spoke today, he said to the children, come unto me, suffer them not. That was Jesus' attitude. Whenever he spoke, he spoke to the people. He had a heart for the people. And we know that Jesus' biggest battle was with the religious leaders. It was not with the tax collectors. It was not with the prostitutes. It was not with the murderers. They found it easy to hang out with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was open to them. It was to these religious leaders that he had his most scathing words. And he used to say to them, you hypocrites. Yeah. You remember, you vipers. Imagine that, the son of God just telling these people things like that. Because he knew the religious mind that they had, the way they were set in their ways, the way they never opened themselves to know that he is the Messiah. And then the next thing is that religion says, work your way to God. Jesus said, I am the way. And so today God does not want you to work your way towards him. There's not certain things that you have to do. In every other religion, there are things you have to do, specific things you have to do at specific times, things you have to offer, points you, uh, times you have to go into certain places of worship to do certain things. But Jesus is saying to us today, I am the way. When we believe that, it will become so much easier for us as the children of God to just let ourselves go and serve him. Because we don't have to wait for a specific moment for us to be used by God. Because he says, I am the way. We can't wait for a specific moment for God to come, for God to minister to us. We don't have to wait to come into church. We don't have to wait to go into a specific meeting. We don't have to wait to give a specific offering or a sacrifice. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through me, but no one comes to the Father but by me. 
Then when we look at the scripture, the Bible says that the, that the Bible is more, is more important than the opinions of others. People had a lot of opinions about who Jesus was. They had, some of them had good opinions, some of them had bad opinions. And if you look in the book of John chapter 9, just a few chapters, you will find how they speak so badly about Jesus, about who he is. And there's one point where they say he's a demon, and he's not God, and he's not the son of God. These were all things that they were talking about him. But when it comes to the pro prophetic word, the Bible prophecy, and we know uh, the Bible students that are here, when we did the integrity of God's word in our session, we learned that, that the biblical prof uh, prophecy is what proves that this is really the word of God. Because what was spoken has been fulfilled. What was spoken is being fulfilled. What was spoken will be fulfilled. There's nothing that is in the word of God that is not true. And so when, the, when, when, the, when, when they give this um, account of Jesus coming on the donkey, it's, it speaks about how in, in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, which I just spoke, it says, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. That was a prophetic word that was being played out on Palm Sunday, written in, by Zechariah in the Old Testament. And here it's being played out. Then we look in the book of Daniel, Daniel's prediction. And Daniel's prediction speaks about how Jesus comes in and how he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. But also, it talks about the very day that is Palm Sunday. And when we look, about, look at it, it says that in the old Babylonian calendar, he discovered that 483 years was equal to 173,000. 880 days. Now, that was a little bit like a Zuma count there. So, you can laugh. So when he speaks about the date, to the exact date, he gives the prediction in the book of Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. If you want to go home and if you want to read that, it speaks about the exact date. And you know what that date is? It's the 6th of April, 32 AD. Now, we all know 6th of April is a good date, isn't it? It's pastor's birthday. It's Auntie Jane's birthday. It's little Emma's birthday. So it was this date that was predicted by Daniel in the Old Testament that Palm Sunday was going to take place. And to that very date, it happened, if you read in the book of Daniel. Now, that's how they worked it out. They said there was a man by the name of uh, Sir Robert Anderson of Scotland Yard, and he wrote the book, The Coming Prince. And in that book, he speaks about the exact date. So when we talk about the people that followed Jesus, if we look at the people that followed Jesus, firstly, there was the disciples. The disciples that came, they loved him, they served him, they worked with him, they walked with him. They learned from him. They were the ones that were walking, that were in this crowd. 
Then it says here in this account in John, it says they were the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now that was a big thing because this was a man that Jesus raised from the dead. So they were the witnesses that were there. And then they were those who heard from the witnesses that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. So they didn't have a first-hand account, but they were there because they wanted to see this Jesus. These ones that witnessed the, the, uh, Jesus being raised from the dead, they wanted to be there because they said, there is something about Jesus that when he walks into Jerusalem, we know that he's going to bring salvation to us. Then there were the religious leaders. These were the ones that were standing there and were saying to the people, uh, and saying to, 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 the, to the people, he says, the Pharisees said among themselves, or rather they were saying to themselves, and they said, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Why? Because when they saw this procession, and they saw how the people were adoring him. They saw how the people were worshiping him. They saw how the people were crying out, save us from this religion. Amen. Deliver us from this religion. We don't want to be under this oppressive Roman uh, law or, or rulership anymore. We want to be set free. But they didn't, what they didn't know is that Jesus was going to set them free. Come a few days, no matter what, but they were the same people and maybe more that were added when Jesus was, was being uh, uh, led through the streets and they were, he was arrested and they said, who do you want? They didn't say Jesus. They said they wanted Barabbas and they said crucify him. But you see, it had to happen because it was all in the plan of God. For redemption to come to mankind, everything that was prophesied in the word of God had to come true. And so today we as children of God, when we look at ourselves, we have to understand that we need to be the ones that are truly following who God is. Truly following him, not in a religious way. Because our religion can take us from day to day. We will have no experience. Our religion can take us and, and maybe cause us to, to move through our situations or bring solution to our situations, but it won't change us. We can go, how many of us can attest to the fact that we go through the same challenges over and over again? Why? Because we work it out on our own. We have no relationship. Because when you have relationship and when God brings you some, through something and you have to go through the same thing again, you know I'm going to handle it differently because I'm not that same person anymore. I'm not handling it out of my religion. I'm handling it out of my relationship. And that is what Jesus brought when he, when he came into Jerusalem, sitting on that donkey and walking. That must have been one of the happiest donkeys in the world. He was the luckiest carrying the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings into that uh, city. And knowing that he was, not only was Jesus going onto the palms, this donkey was also going onto the palms. Then there are so many messages, Pastor Gerald, you know about the donkey. The Lord has need of it. But today the emphasis is, and the challenge to us is, let us not get caught up in religion. Because that was heavy on the heart of God. 
at that point in time. When we look at all of the events, it was heavy on the heart of God. And right now, at this very present time, it is heavy on the heart of God that we do not become religious. Because it's easy to be religious, but it's difficult to have relationship and to maintain relationship and to grow relationship. And so today I'm encouraging you and I am challenging you from the heart of God. He does not want us to be religious. He wants us to have relationship with him. And relationship is different because relationship wants us to, it makes us want to speak to him. It makes us want to be in his presence. It makes us want to communicate. It makes us want to listen. You know, when, uh, when Annie was speaking about the word last week, that's what relationship does. It does not just give you the scripture that you take for the day and you read it and you read a little bit of encouragement from it and it keeps you for the day. That's what we say. We say that word, oh, it encouraged me. It just let me go through the day. God doesn't want you to take something like that and take you through the day. Yes, it does. But he wants you to every part of the day to know that you are in relationship with him. Because there are times when you call upon him, you may not be in your closet. You may not be in the church. You may not be giving an offering somewhere. But with relationship, you can call upon him at any time. Wherever you are, you can be driving, you can be sleeping, you can be at work, you can be in school, you can be in the university. You can just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I praise you. All of these things we can do if we have relationship. So I'm praying today that each one of us will take a look at our lives and introspection because we are coming up to the time when Jesus gave his everything. He went through such suffering. And we know when we read it, you know, sometimes when we sit and, 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 and you know, some pastors, when they preach, they can really go in-depth with the suffering. And there were so many times when we were in service on Good Friday and we can just weep when you just hear about the way Jesus suffered. But he went through it for us. When we look at it, it was just not any small thing that he went through. And how are we in relationship with this Jesus who gave us his all? Who said, who said, to, who, who said I will go through it. Even though when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup. Because he knew what he was going to go through. But he still had us on his mind. And so he said, it's not about me, Father, but it's about those who are crying out, save us now, deliver us now, Hosanna. And so I pray today that that will be the way our attitude is. When we, when we are coming before God, it must be a relationship. Let us do an introspection, think about how our lives are, think about where we are going, how we are serving, how we are living, and what our relationship with God is. When pastor was speaking about baptism today, it's not easy sometimes for a pastor to share things like that. But when we're in relationship with him, we won't even have a second thought. Parents, you won't have a second thought to teach your children what to do which is right. Because we're in relationship and we're not in religion. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this morning.
Lord, we know that it is so easy, oh God, for us to fall into rituals and just religion and just doing things, oh God, by the book and doing things, oh God, because there's a need for us to do it. But Lord, this week, oh God, you place in our hearts a heavy burden. Lord, that our lives must change. That, Lord, we cannot live in the religion of Christianity, but we need to live in relationship with you. And so I pray, Father, Lord, for your sons and daughters that are here. We do not want to be, O oh God, like the religious leaders who are always speaking negative things. We don't want to be just eyewitnesses, Lord. We want to be the ones that experience your power and your grace. We don't want to be ones that hear it from a third person. We want to experience you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that as much as we know all about you, but this morning, we want to know you. And so I pray that you would touch our hearts on this Palm Sunday as we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He came in as a victorious king because he knew his purpose and his plan. He knew that he came to save us. And so I pray that in return, we will give him our all in the mighty name of Jesus. Pastor Maggie. Amen. You've been blessed today. Amen. That was just surely incredible.